Welcome back to the Zach and Jack Sports Betting Podcast, now featuring Keith. We are a couple of guys talking sports and sports gambling every week, primarily focused on college football and the NFL. Each episode, we share our locks of the week, where we put our money where our mouth is, tracking what we think are can't-miss bets, and analyzing our picks in subsequent episodes. This is our 13th episode, and today is Wednesday, December 9th, 2020. This week, we will be focused on week 15 of the college football season and week 14 in the NFL. I'm Zach. I'm Jack. I'm Keith. Our college football locks from last week went 2-0, and and we are now 14-13-1 overall through our first 12 episodes. To get things going this week, on Friday night, ULL played Appalachian State. Score was 24-21 to in an absolutely crazy game. Keith is going to share his analysis behind that one. Yeah, I have plenty of thoughts on this game, but let's, let's get into the nuts and bolts of it first. I had mentioned in the last episode that I liked the over in this game. With the caveat that there was bad weather in the forecast, the over-under was 52.5. After recording, uh, I went up to New Hampshire the next day to place my bets. I once again checked on the forecast, and it still called for a lot of rain during game time. So I actually flipped my pick and took the under. The weather actually moved up my way and hit Massachusetts as a nor'easter. We got a ton of snow and ice this weekend, so that was joyous. Uh, And that actually helped the under hit in this game as well. So to recap the game, App State had three turnovers, uh, two interceptions and a fumble. Trey Regas had three total touchdowns. He had an excellent game himself. Uh, There was a high snap with under seven minutes left. Uh, That went over the ULL punter's head for a safety to make the score 24-19. Yeah, Keith, there was uh, three high snaps in this game, two coming on punts and one coming on a PAT from good old Louisiana boy, long snapper Paul Boudreau. Yeah, so with two minutes left in the game, ULL coach Billy Napier decided to take an intentional safety. I gotta say, this frustrated the hell out of me, not only because I had the under, but because ULL really put themselves in jeopardy of losing this game, unnecessarily so. I cannot for the life of me comprehend this coaching decision. I get the snaps were bad all night. There was a a horrible confluence of events right there that led to ULL voluntarily cutting the score down to a three-point lead and giving the other team the ball with excellent field position. Only in 2020 will you see a team score on back-to-back safeties. Absolute absurdity. App State lined up for a 30-yard field goal, but fortunately for the under, App State missed it, so I'm glad that my under bet hit. Even though, as we'll get to later, this was part of a parlay with Marshall, and Marshall nuked a lot of my action on Saturday. This is also the first time that ULL has ever beaten App State. App State now leads the series 8-1. and one. Pretty cool for the Raging Cajuns to finally get a win versus the Mountaineers. Uh, moving on to Saturday, the game that Zach wanted to bring up was West Virginia at Iowa State. Iowa State ended up winning that game 41-6. to I'm glad we discussed the Raging Cajuns because a certain Cyclone team that they beat at the beginning of the year is on the up and up in the college football rankings. So Iowa State obliterated West Virginia Saturday, as you mentioned, 41-6. to A Mountaineers team that they're no slouch by any means. They had the top defense in the Big 12 coming into this game, but they were no match. Iowa State's running back, Brees Hall, is top two in most rushing categories in college football this season. He should be getting some serious attention for some individual awards. He's currently plus 20,000 for the Heisman. Probably not going to win that, but he's at least got some odds next to his name. Regardless, he's boosting his draft stock. Iowa State is 8-2 and two overall now, and next up for them is a rematch against Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship game. 
Iowa State's first ever Big 12 championship appearance is going to be taking place on December 19th. They haven't won a conference title since 1912 when they were a part of the Missouri Valley Conference. So this is going to be a huge game for Matt Campbell and the Cyclones. Now, I don't think Iowa State's going to make the college football playoffs, but they're a legit team. And it's a complete 180 from the team we saw week one against ULL. I wanted to say that watching that game without having any bets on it or anything, it felt kind of nice. It was refreshing moving along to a game that Keith and I both considered locking but ultimately stayed away from. Oklahoma State ended up losing to TCU 22-29. to Oklahoma State was up 19-7 to at half. They were a two-and-a-half point favorite. TCU had five turnovers and still managed to win this game. Uh, speaking of Iowa State, Oklahoma State was eliminated from Big 12 championship game contention when the Cyclones and the Oklahoma Sooners both won their games on Saturday. That's all I got for that game. Keith, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about those fighting Irish so this game was interesting, at least to start. Uh, Notre Dame ended up winning the game 45-21 pretty comfortably, but Notre Dame got off to a very slow start. Uh, the Irish led 3-0 after the first quarter. Not a whole lot of scoring going on. Syracuse actually scored a touchdown early in the second to go up 7-3. But fortunately, they got it together and rattled off 21 straight to go into halftime up 24-7. After this point, the game was never really in reach. The third quarter was almost what the football worthy as the second half started with Syracuse fumbling on their first possession and Notre Dame fumbled it right back to him on the very next play, which Syracuse used to capitalize and score a touchdown on the ensuing possession. Then ND threw a pick on their next drive, but Syracuse was considerate enough to fumble it right back on the very next play and Notre Dame did the same thing as Syracuse and capitalized on another takeaway with a touchdown. It was a very benevolent third quarter to say the least, you know, getting into the Christmas spirit. It was noted that Ian Book is now the winningest quarterback in program history. He's overall 30-3 and three and has won 16 straight, which is the longest in the nation. And with the ACC clearing the way for Notre Dame and Clemson, these two teams are off for their previously scheduled games this coming weekend. And they will play each other in the ACC championship game in Charlotte on December 19th. So hopefully that'll be an excellent game. Both teams rested. Both teams have a couple of weeks to game plan. And most importantly, hopefully both teams will be COVID free. Notre Dame, win or lose, deserves a place in the college football playoffs for better or worse. It's for better. As much as I dislike them, got to give them props. They've looked really, really good this year. Two quick games. Just want to mention part of my teaser lock from last week. Colorado State lost to San Diego State 17-29. And Georgia Tech lost to NC State 13-23. Both of these games went just about as I expected. I said I didn't see any of these teams beating the other ones by more than two touchdowns. And that's exactly what ended up playing out. Did think Colorado State was better since they beat Wyoming. But Wyoming proved this weekend that they are not that good, which we will get into shortly. Keith likes to parlay around robbing all of our locks or at least the ones he believes in. Guess over 47 for the Green Bay Packers this week wasn't included in that. I did not believe in that. <laughs> uh, but we'll roll right into my lock for college football this week, which was San Jose State at Hawaii. The Spartans won 35-24 over the Rainbow Warriors. And for this one, I locked San Jose State money line at minus 110. This was San Jose State's first game in three weeks, and they were originally a six-and-a-half-point favorite at home before the game was relocated to Hawaii. This game was actually on Spectrum Sports Network or whatever that network's name is called, so regretfully I didn't get a chance to watch this. I always like to watch my own locks, but I was also preoccupied with watching the shots while much of this game was going down. But the Spartans are now 5-0 and on the season. Yeah, fellas, I'm starting to think the Spartans are going to be our new West Coast sweetheart. Gotta love them Spartans, baby. Yeah, so actually by the time that I was able to drive to New Hampshire to place my bets on DraftKings, the line had moved to San Jose State minus one and a half, which 
I gladly took DraftKings up on as it was still massively disrespectful. I mean, do what you will with Michigan State, but you better put some respect on the Spartans of the West Coast. And that's pretty much all I got to say about that. Keith and I collectively went 2-0 and from college football last week. I did say something along the lines of Wyoming was an easy parlay lock. And let's go ahead and get into our WTF, what the football game of the week. WTF. Wyoming at New Mexico, where the New Mexico Lobos ultimately won in catastrophic fashion, 17 to 16. New Mexico snapped the longest losing streak in the FBS at 14 games. New Mexico's fifth string walk-on quarterback, Isaiah Chavez, took over in the second quarter after an injury to a fellow walk-on freshman quarterback. Definitely didn't see New Mexico win in this game. Wyoming proved that they are not as good as I had expected. Uh, Wyoming was 1-11 on third down and 1-3 for three on fourth down. And New Mexico wasn't much better at 5-15 for 15 and 0-1 and on fourth down. Uh, both these teams are garbage. I will be fading them from this point forward nonetheless. And what I learned is don't expect the Cowboys to come through for you. I think they were minus 600 to minus 800 money line odds, somewhere in that range. So I apologize to anyone such as Keith who also made these bets. A lot of my parlays were destroyed as a result of this game. So I put my money where my mouth is i thought wyoming had this in the bag was not so yeah between wyoming and marshall getting upset those were some serious parlay killers for sure i'm glad i didn't put together any parlays or anything last weekend because i know i would have put one of them and pretty much all of them and that would have been rough yeah after the app state ull game we're all in the group text talking about what we had just seen and what was coming up for the weekend and jack had actually mentioned he felt that this weekend was a good weekend for some upsets He really brought the bad juju to our group text and to the college football world at large because Marshall went ahead and blew it at home to Rice. You should never lose to food. That absolutely nuked a handful of parlays that I had where I thought Marshall was an easy win. And so I just wanted to add some juice to some of the other action that I had going on. And that turned out to be a disastrous mistake. Guys, I apologize. Uh, Let's get off the bad topics and let's move into what we all thought was the game of the week and possibly the game of the year. We mentioned in our last episode that Liberty was expected to play at Coastal Carolina. That game was ultimately canceled as a result of COVID-19 protocol. BYU stepped in and showed up to play the Chanticleers, what was possibly the greatest game of the season. Coastal ends up taking it 22-17. Yeah, this game was phenomenal. The shots got a lot of heart. Unfortunately, it wasn't on national television for all to see, but whoever had ESPNU, I'm sure was tuned into this one. Coastal was a plus 235 money line. I actually bet the shots that offset all the parlays, and I actually broke even by a whopping 50 cents after this game, so I was pretty happy about it. Mormons versus molds, baby. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I got to give BYU some credit. They were a lot more chippy and feisty than I expected. Kind of always thought that Mormons were pacifists. So they put up a lot of fight, but not enough to take down the shots. Great ending to that game, too. Uh, The BYU receiver trying to reach over the end zone to score with time running out. Really, really great game. Coastal actually moved up to number 13 in the latest college football playoff poll. And they now, according to ESPN, have a 2% chance of making the playoffs after this marquee win. Pretty sad. Unfortunately, Coastal is going to get left out. They're going to win the national championship for the Zach and Jack Sports Betting Podcast, though. When they go undefeated, Coastal, national champions, lock it up. Hell yeah. They're the UCF of 2020. 2020 baby dirty myrtle beach bringing home a 2020 title love to see it can't wait a little bit of news from the past week michigan at ohio state was canceled keith we know you love the good old big 10 so do you want to iterate on that a little bit further in depth 
Yeah, so Michigan actually had to cancel their game last week due to COVID issues, and that has bled into this week, and they decided early on this week that that game was a no-go. These two teams have met every year since 1918, and this will be the first time that Jim Harbaugh won't lose to Ohio State as the head coach of Michigan. So we'll have to wait and see how the Big Ten alters the rules to get their golden goose into the college football playoff. Ohio State should play coastal cowards. The Bucks and the Shants, that's something I would love to see. Oh, dude, I would totally watch every second of that game. That's really all the news. Uh, There wasn't a whole bunch of other stuff besides games being canceled or postponed already. Let's go ahead and move into our Week 15 locks. Keith, have you decided on who you're going to go with for your lightning lock this week in our rapid two-minute format? So I'm taking Auburn minus six and a half in Mississippi State. Mississippi State really looked like the Cinderella's of the SEC after that opening game win at LSU. Fuck you. Real quick, was that their only win of the season? They beat Vandy by a touchdown. Two and six, yeah. Oh, so so only LSU, perfect. Because <laughs> Vandy hasn't won yet. <laughs> right. But they've done absolutely nothing since. And it turns out that LSU was a lot worse than we might have thought they were after that first game. Last week, Auburn almost pulled it out against Texas A&M at home. We got a real roller coaster of emotions for fans of Auburn and Bo Nix as he did the typical Bo Nix thing, including missing wide open receivers and making some incredible plays. Late in the game in the red zone, Bo Nix broke a couple of tackles that would have been sacks, scrambled all the way to his left, eventually broke the plane in the end zone to score a touchdown. I'm hoping that that Bo Nix shows up in Starkville this week. A touchdown is way too generous to the Bulldogs of Mississippi State because they have absolutely nothing going on right now. So I think Auburn should win this one pretty handily, especially after that crushing defeat at the hands of Texas A&M. They have to take their frustrations out on somebody. I probably like Auburn Moneyline just because SEC just plays out weird. So I'm not a huge proponent of this bet, but I also don't dislike it. I love it. <laughs> Auburn minus six and a half. If Keith says it's a lock, the man is on fire. Current record, eight, four, and one on the year. Gotta ride with the boys. Lock it up. Auburn minus six and a half. I love that lock, Keith. I am definitely going to bet that one with you. Yeah, buddy. Before we get back into Zach's locks after he took last week off, let me share mine from the West Coast out of the Pac-12. I am looking this week at Washington plus six versus Oregon. Lock it up. I am fading the public in this game. Oregon is getting 59% of the bets at the time of this recording, but Washington is getting 62% of the money. Relatively close to 50-50, but but I still think Oregon's getting a little too much credit. This is actually a top 25 matchup. Washington currently at number 22 and Oregon at number 23. I don't necessarily expect Washington to win this game. But with Oregon losing their last two, it wouldn't surprise me to see the Huskies come out on top. I do expect to see some turnovers in this game. We are expecting some weather and some light rain. Washington has no fumbles on the ground this year. Meanwhile, Oregon has lost six fumbles in five games. Washington plus six versus the Oregon Ducks. Lock it up. Zach, you're back with Jack and Keith to share your lock of the week. (laughs) <laughs> I love how you're workshopping this out loud. I'm feeling good, boys. I'm feeling good. Let's keep it rolling. We got Zach back. He has his lock for us for the college football lightning lock round. Spit it, Zach. Well, Jack, I like your lock quite a bit, but I like Keith's a little better. And so I'm going to kind of take his and throw it into mine. I'm taking a three-team, six-and-a-half-point teaser this week. I'm taking USC against UCLA. That line's at 
minus three. I'm moving it to plus three and a half for USC. Taking Auburn down to a pick em. And then I'm taking Coastal Carolina. I got to get our shots in there. They were minus 12 and a half when I made this lock. And so I moved it to minus six against Troy. And that's a plus 135 odds on that. These lines are already on the move. So strike quick if you want in. These are all favorites. So like we said before, bet them early. But the beauty of the tease is that you're buying some points for the cushion. So we'll have that going for you. And so that's my three team teaser for the week. USC, Auburn, Coastal Carolina. I'm riding some favorites on tees. Let's get it. Oh yeah, lock it up. I like it. None of us are going to dispute any of those picks. I got to say, I like my lock the most just because it's me. I probably like Zach's the second most. And then I like Keith's the third most. But I'm going to bet all three because I trust you guys. Three and zero for college football this weekend. Let's get it, boys. Yes, sir. Let's get yeah, it. let's get it. So that's going to be our lightning locks and our locks for college football for week 15. This week, we're actually going to share a couple other games that are on our slate and games that we are looking forward to. Zach, what are you thinking for this week that you like besides the teaser that you're locking up? Yeah, Jack, the first game that I looked at that I, I definitely want to watch, if nothing else, this weekend is going to be North Carolina at Miami. I kind of refuse to bet North Carolina because they've hurt me too many times this year. I'm pretty tempted to take their money line at plus 125 in this one just because their offense is so explosive. I know Miami's a pretty good team. they got a good squad over there. But regardless, this should be a good game. So even if I don't bet it, I'm definitely going to keep an eye on this game. Yeah, I might not bet a lot, but if I do, I'm definitely going to throw some money on the on the North Carolina side of things. Uh, I should also note, similar to my lock, if you take USC, Auburn, and Coastal Carolina money lines straight up in a three-leg parlay, you can get around plus 178 odds. I love that bet as well, but for the purpose of my lock, I'm going to get the field goal cushion USC because I haven't seen as much Pac-12 football. Put those money lines together in a parlay. I like that bet quite a bit as well. And the other game that I really like this week and that I'm probably going to bet, I'm taking Texas minus 29 and a half just because Kansas is awful. And I just watched Texas put up like 69 points against my Kansas State Wildcats this past weekend. They beat us by 38 points. So I think they can definitely beat Kansas by 29. So I'm definitely leaning towards betting that Texas spread. Can't go wrong betting against Kansas. How dare you, first off, root against my Miami Hurricanes? No, I'm just kidding. But if they lost this game, it wouldn't surprise me. The game's practically a coin flip. I think Miami's just the favorite because they're a top 10 team currently, and North Carolina's played a couple questionable games. Um, either way, that should be a pretty good game. I expect that one to be pretty high scoring. Texas never losing to Kansas in a million years. Lock that one up for the money line 100%. Knock on wood. Hope I didn't jinx it. A couple games on my slate that I'm looking forward to. You already know. The shots are on there. Coastal Carolina's playing Troy this weekend, and Coastal is a 12.5 point favorite. Not only are these boys 10 and 0 on the season, they're also 8 1 and 1 against the spread. And I'm tailing them until they give me a reason not to. And also, hashtag trust Troy, fuck that. Coastal Carolina, baby. I know you boys are hopping on this one. Oh, absolutely. I love the beach chickens of Myrtle Beach Get Crunk University. I am riding them all the way this season. I mean, I didn't put them in my, my lock of the week for nothing. I love the shots this week against Troy. I don't care if you give me the full spread, the tease spread, the money line. Give it all to me. I'll take the shots in whatever way I can this weekend. Another game that was on my slate, but ultimately, as we already mentioned, got canceled in Michigan at Ohio State. I was looking to bet over 66.5 in this game. Unfortunately, Ohio State will not have the opportunity to put up 100 on Michigan, as they said in the spring. I don't know if they would have quite got that many points, but I would have expected a high-scoring game, at least from the Buckeyes side. So rest in peace to the chance of seeing the Wolverines get absolutely obliterated in Jim Harbaugh's last regular season game as a Michigan head coach. But I digress. Another game I'm keeping my eye on 
on. I don't have any action on currently. Nevada at San Jose State. No, we just said San Jose State is possibly our West Coast sweetheart, but I do think this should be a good matchup. Uh, wouldn't surprise me if Nevada keeps it close or even upsets San Jose State's perfect season to this point. Not one that I currently have action on, just a game that I am looking forward to watching. Keith, I know there was at least a couple games that you were looking forward to as well this weekend for your slate. Yeah, Nevada at San Jose State is actually a Friday game. That keeps us in the loop for the weekday matchups. I also like USC and UCLA. I was actually looking at USC minus three and a half at UCLA, but I'm a little shy on that one uh, just because it's the in-city rivalry. So USC is 4-0 on the season and 2-2 two and two against the spread, and UCLA is 3-2 and two on the season and 4-1 and one against the spread. To an extent, things bode well for UCLA covering, but that teaser that Zach put out there, I think will hit absolutely, as well as USC winning straight up money line. Yeah, outside of that, there's nothing that hasn't already been talked about that really jumps off the page for me. Everything else I'm kind of lukewarm on, but definitely all in on the shots, as has already been stated. Well, that's going to do it for our college football slate, guys. Just a couple games that we like in addition to our locks. Bet them at your own risk, but definitely games that we're all kind of leaning towards. Let's go ahead and move into a new segment. As you've all probably realized through our first 12 episodes, Zach just loves the underdog. He loves to root for him, loves to bet him. He'll find any way he can to throw three underdogs into a parlay. So let's go ahead and share our college football underdog of the week, Zach. Yeah, Jack, I, I am a big fan of the underdogs. I don't know what it is exactly. Hey, it's just said something about your personality, you know? I, I guess so. I, I don't know. You have to talk to my therapist about that. But um, <laughs> uh, I we were Marshall believers before they got trounced by Rice this past weekend. So I'm going to take that as a sign. I'm going to go to Rice again on Saturday when the Owls take on UAB. Now, the Blazers haven't played a game since October, and I'm sure they're well-rested, but I can't imagine they're going to come out very sharp, and Rice has had some cancellations as well. But the Rice money line is plus 250. They just beat an undefeated Marshall team, so I can't imagine they should be that much of a dog to a 4-3 and three UAB team. So give me the Rice money line plus 250 at home and so that's my underdog of the week, Rice Owls. Yeah, Marshall undefeated to this point of the year prior to playing Rice. I think they had, what, five interceptions this weekend? Pretty rough. So Rice, I mean, maybe they have a good defense as well. Got to get it while it's hot. We definitely made money earlier in the year off some lines and some spreads that were a little bit off because the books just didn't know what they were getting themselves into. So hopefully Rice will be one of the teams in this instance. I think that's going to do it for us for college football this week. Let's go ahead and move into the NFL. Last week, Keith and I both made locks and we went one and one and we are now currently 14 and 12 overall. Go ahead and give a little recap of week 13 before we move into next week. There was no Thursday night football this past week and the Buccaneers and Panthers were the two teams on bye week. So let's go ahead and jump straight into Sunday. Taysom Hill, two touchdowns, beats the Falcons 21 to 16. Great game. Yeah, important to note, Taysom Hill's two touchdowns came through the air and not on the ground this time uh, as he did the past two weeks. So a marked improvement for him and his, his ability to quarterback a team. The Saints, each of the past four seasons I learned during this game, have gone on win streaks of six games or more. This team's sustained success with or without its starting quarterback is a true testament to how well it's been built. On the Falcon side, the Dirty Birds have now lost twice to a tight end playing quarterback within a three-week time span, so things are not looking so great for them. And the Saints did manage to cover in this game. Love seeing the Dirty Birds lose. We will definitely talk about both of these teams more in depth for next week. I wanted to mention the Bears losing to the Lions, but I don't think we want to do that to Zach this week. Okay, come on. We didn't talk about LSU getting trounced by Bama. Where did that go? 
you just glazed over it like you're glazing over this bear's loss real quick. Oh, shit. I totally did skip that. That's suspicious. I thought you skipped it intentionally. No, not at all. Oops. So, so did I. I was going to bring it up. <laughs> I just, I guess I just did. <laughs> oh, yeah. So let's go. Let's move on to our next game. The Browns at the Titans. I just want to say both of my teams are winning. So y'all can't talk shit about either of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see when they play Bama. We'll, we'll get further into that in future episodes. Let's let's stay on track, boys. <laughs> in our WTF game of the week for the NFL, the Browns beat the Titans 41-35. to Is Baker Mayfield good? I don't know if I'd go that far. I'm not sold on Baker yet by any means. His commercials are pretty funny for commercials, but the Browns as a team are pretty good. I gave him a fraud label. I'm going to have to take that back. I, I rescind the fraud tag. Don't hit me over the head with any helmets for calling you the F word, Browns. But when Baker's on, they're tough to beat. The O-line's really good. The run game's obviously really good with Nick Chubb. The defense has some big-time playmakers. Miles Garrett, you know Denzel Ward. They got a good team, and uh, I was I was a little bit off base with them. Yeah, let's not go that far. I mean, Baker did throw four touchdowns in the first half, something no Cleveland Browns quarterback has done since now. When I say that, I'm not kidding. The last time it happened was 1951, and the Vietnam War was in 1955. Baker had a season-high 334 passing yards. There's plenty of other quarterbacks that have thrown for that much. For that to be a season high, I'm not really that impressed. The Titans defense fell for every trick in the book from the Cleveland offense. I'm convinced at this rate that there's a trick play for Jarvis Landry through a pass literally every game for the rest of the season. I don't know how teams are still falling for this stuff. Nick Chubb has looked like a stud since he came back from injury. Brown's running game is opening up the passing game. That's the only way Baker Mayfield can do so good. So I'm not his biggest fan, but on that touchdown celebration, did you see that slide? That man could totally steal a base in the MLB. So I digress from that. Cleveland's defense came up with three turnovers in this game. They held Derrick Henry to 60 yards on 15 carries. First fumble of the season. And I think we got to say, boys, Derrick Henry has been effectively eliminated from the MVP race. Yes, he has. And more on that later. But let's go to the sweat in New York with the Raiders and Jets. The Raiders somehow pulled it off and won 31 to 28. But I don't know how they did it. Yeah, the Jets are going to jet, man. Even the players on defense weren't happy with the call on what was the game-winning touchdown by the Raiders. As we now know from Marcus May's post-game comments, Greg Williams was fired following that abysmal decision. Uh, what he did was sent the house late in the game with about 15 seconds left and only a touchdown would beat them. Uh, us Madden players know this as Engage 8. This made Greg Williams the perfect scapegoat to keep the NFL satisfied and Adam Gase around to lose a few more games for the Jets. It's all part of the master plan for them to get the number one overall pick and get Sam Darnold up out of the paint and Trevor Lawrence in the paint. You would think with playing the Raiders that the Jets would get the clue to ask Madden. I mean, it's all they had to do. All you got to do is run the prevent play, but it is funny to see the Jets lose, so I am kind of happy. I did like Jets' a team total under 17.5 last episode. No, that didn't fare too well. Should have probably figured if the Raiders were going to give up so many points to the Falcons, they were going to give up a lot of points to anybody. Either way, always fun to watch the Jets lose. Speaking of other teams that are fun to watch lose, the Seahawks lost to the Giants 17-12. to I told you all weeks ago about these fake-ass NFC West teams. Each of them has had glaring issues throughout the season, and none of them are trustworthy week to week. Colt McCoy actually got the start for Big Blue and the win, and for some reason this feels like 2009 when he was back at Texas. So this has just been a hell of a year all around for football. Shout out to him for getting the win. NFC East finally getting on the boards late, and of course it's coming versus NFC West. Who would have thought? Going into a game that was my lock from last week, 
I had over 47 in the Eagles Packers game. Unfortunately, the final score was ultimately 16 to 30 for a 46 point total. Rest in peace. Pretty good though. We did go three and one, and our one lock that loss was by one point. Can't really be too upset. The Eagles pulled Carson Wentz in the second half. Too little, too late for Jalen Hurts at the over for me. Team did seem to respond better to Hurts on the field, but the Eagles' offensive line is just a bunch of bottom feeders. Yeah, like you said earlier, Jack, I do like to bet all of our locks in some fashion. And the over in this game, I didn't really believe in strictly by virtue of the fact that the Eagles were one of the teams in it and they have been extremely poor of late. So I didn't trust them to hold up their end of the bargain in terms of points scored. And lo and behold, that was the case. But on the other end of this game, Aaron Rodgers might actually be a threat to Patrick Mahomes locking up the MVP. He had a great performance in this game, three passing touchdowns, but we do still have four weeks to go in the season to sort out the MVP race. Yeah, I thought the Packers defense was a little bit worse than advertised. I guess anyone can kind of look good against the Eagles defense, getting in for some sacks against Wentz. Rest in peace. I think I was on a four-lock win streak leading up to this game, so sorry to have to end that. Yeah, Rodgers has been playing lights out. I think the MVP is still Mahomes' award to lose, but it might be down to just those two with a shot at it at this point. It's going to come down to how they play the last four weeks to close it out. Yeah, except for Mahomes' winning because I locked it up, boys. Plus 200. Lock it up. Let's move along to Monday. There were two games. In the first game, the Washington football team played the Steelers and ultimately won that game 23-17. to yeah, after this game, worst 11 and 0 was trending on Twitter. Fans across the globe had a lot to say about what they thought of the Steelers' perfect record. Yeah, they were the worst 11 and 0 team of all time potentially, and and now they're the worst 11 and 1 team of all time. So at least the Steelers fans can quit claiming they're better than the Chiefs. They got that loss out of the way, so it's about time. I like how everybody jumped on the Steelers are bad bandwagon. I know that we were on that bandwagon pretty early. Very redeeming to finally see them get a loss. And uh, on top of that, Alex Smith, man, he's looked really good for that team. I think there's no question at this rate. He deserves comeback player of the year. Definitely looking forward to seeing the Washington football team somehow get in the playoffs and upset like the Buccaneers or something like that. That was the first game for Monday night. Second game, the Bills were at the 49ers. Technically, they were in Arizona for this game as there were some COVID restrictions in California. The Bills ultimately won that game 34 to 24 yeah i was able to catch most of this game and it was a pretty exciting game yeah the bills played awesome in this game josh allen was dominant another guy who was dominant cole beasley out of nowhere had maybe the best game of his career so shout out to cole beasley and shout out to DraftKings. i had a DraftKings best ball fantasy league no one cares about your fantasy team but i won a best ball league in DraftKings, pretty much basically just because of beasley's performance and then the henry ruggs heroic touchdown so that was an awesome game I think it was Cole Beasley's best game. I think he had a career high, like 113 yards. But he did say after the game that he loves the field in Arizona. Thought that was kind of weird because I assumed most places had the same turf. But shout out Cole Beasley. Shout out DraftKings. Shout out making money. I think he loves the grass. They have real grass there because they roll it outside and grow it and then they wheel it back inside. I think Cole Beasley is a big proponent of that feat of engineering, how they are able to roll the field in and out of the building. It is pretty cool, I'm not going to lie. Hey, if that's what's going to get him to go off and get the Bills some wins. I thought it was kind of weird. The Bills were an underdog in this game. The 49ers, they've looked a little bit better over the past couple weeks. They finally got their running game going a little bit, but Nick Mullen, he's still learning. The kids kind of outperformed my expectations, but he's just not ready. Bills are just the better team. They ultimately came through and showed that in this game. On Tuesday, the Cowboys played the Ravens and lost that one 17-34. Don't really need to go too in-depth on this one. The only really noteworthy news was that Des Bryant was ruled out just before kickoff with a positive COVID-19 tests. Conspiracy juices are just flowing through me right now, guys. 
Yeah, very strange. They let him warm up, apparently, and then pulled him off the field to tell him that he had tested positive, and then somehow determined that he wasn't close enough to anybody else through their tracing or whatever to cancel or postpone the game or anything like that. They just went on with the game, but he didn't get a play against his former Cowboys, which was um, pretty frustrating for him, it appeared, based on his uh, tweets. Yeah, it would have been pretty cool to see Dez get a touchdown versus former team. That dude has had some bad luck over the past couple of seasons. Tried to get a chance with the Saints last year, and that didn't work out either after injury. Uh, yeah, like you said, he seems frustrated. He went on Twitter, actually, and said he does not plan to return this season. Sorry, Des Bryant. We are looking forward to watching you play. Besides that, really wasn't that cool of a game. So that's going to wrap it up for all the games that we want to touch on. Let's go ahead and move into a little bit of news from this week. Former NFL linebacker Vontez Burfecht was arrested for battery at the Cosmopolitan in Las Vegas this past weekend after allegedly fighting with a security guard at the casino. Burfecht was looking for a hidden pizza restaurant when he thought security began to follow him and he got confrontational. Thought it was kind of funny. He was arrested and held on a $1,000 bond. I don't know if that's just because Vontez Burfecht has no money or just the crime wasn't serious enough to warrant a bigger bond, but... I want to say CTE is real kids. That dude took five too many hits to the helmet. So if anybody wants to say there's not brain damage associated with football, this man is the perfect counterexample to that. Uh, also, guys, thought it was pretty cool. First time better on DraftKings. Shout out DraftKings. Placed a $2 wager at plus 1.238 million odds on a nine-leg NFL parlay and hit for $24,767 on Sunday. Absolutely crazy. Why can't we have luck like that? that would that would be nice i if i ever hit a bet like that i mean i'd probably end up gambling away all of my money i'd probably hire an editor yeah that'd be a good call get myself a new mic get keith a mic and a headset get some webcams get some professional podcast stuff going that'd be sick the producer all that let's go for the full works actually i don't know if twenty four thousand is enough to do all that did want to mention you know that these bets are kind of crazy we see every now and then either a really big bet win or lose or someone make you know but uh these bets make the headlines for a reason it's because they're so unlikely uh they give people kind of a false sense that they can get lucky like this pretty wild congrats to the guy for winning take your money and run but yeah like you said i would totally develop a gambling problem after this think i was a genius really cool either way congrats i can hardly hit a two-leg parlay so for this guy to hit nine on his first bet kudos to you so that's going to pretty much do it for our news for the NFL for this past week. Let's go ahead and move into our NFL Week 14 locks. Start it off. Keith, what are you thinking for your lightning lock this week? I think I'm just going to fade the NFL, take my one college bet, and run for the hills. Last week we talked about being disciplined in your betting, not forcing any bets, knowing when to lay off the gas pedal, and I'm going to take that advice this week and just stick with the college lock. Tried before we recorded, guys, to convince Keith to lock up the Saints. Didn't work, apparently, but I do appreciate the fact that you're not going to just throw something out there just for the sake of doing it. Yeah, I love the Saints this week, but with Taysom Hill still in at quarterback and the Eagles starting Jalen Hurts, the range of outcomes is just way too big for me to lock up the Saints at 7.5. I do like the Saints to win. I think the Saints will probably cover 7.5, especially with that O-line that the Eagles have, but I don't feel confident enough, like I said, in the range of outcomes to really want to throw that down as my lock. We appreciate it as always, Keith, for sharing that one college lock. Next week, you got to make up for it and give us like two or three extras, but I digress. 
let's go ahead and move into my NFL locker this week. Guys, I hate to say it, but I got to do it. I am taking the Atlanta Falcons laying two and a half points versus the Los Angeles Chargers this week. Oh my God, this is awful. Okay, what do you got? I'm taking like a half spin out of Zach's playbook. Obviously, I want my locks to win, but I do get that weird consolation to where if the Falcons lose this game, the Falcons still lose. So I got that going for me. Anyways, let me go ahead and move along. The Chargers only wins this year. Their only wins are versus teams with a combined 3-32 and records. They beat the Jets, Jaguars, and Bengals. Anthony Lynn, head coach for the Los Angeles Chargers, is slowly becoming the new Dan Quinn, and that means we got to fade Anthony Lynn this week. Chargers have given up 27 points in nine straight games. They suffered their worst loss in franchise history last week, 45 to nothing to the Patriots. Falcons are going to Falcon. They're going to win this game to continue to hurt their draft stock. We've said that numerous times over the past couple of episodes. They have proven they've done a great job of that. I expect that to be no different this week. The Chargers might have the worst special teams in the league as well. On five punts last week, and the team had the wrong number of players on the field three times. Falcons are 4-1 since Dan Quinn was fired versus teams not named the Saints. Pretty good record. We're going to leave the Saints out of there because, you know, got to make the Falcons sound a little bit better. That's all I got. Chargers are on the down slope. Falcons are looking up. Should finish right in the middle of the pack. Lock it up. Falcons minus 2.5 for the Chargers. I like it. You're betting on both teams to fulfill their destinies. Falcons going to Falcon by winning this game and hurting their draft stock, and Chargers going to Charger by losing in spectacular fashion. Didn't even think about it like that, but that's a really good point, so I appreciate it. Moving along, let's go ahead and get into Zach's lightning lock for this week. Zach, what you got for us? Yeah, Jack, I am coming at us with another teaser. So I'm taking a three-team, seven-point tease for plus 120 odds. I learned this tip from Warren Sharp. When you're teasing games, you want to go through key numbers like seven and a three. And I'm taking Packers through that seven and the three all the way down to basically a pick them at half a point. I'm taking over 39 and a half Steelers at Bills. And then for the third leg, I'm taking the Titans from seven and a half down to that half point as well. Lock it up. The Packers offense is rolling and they're heading to Detroit to face the Lions. Same goes for the Titans. They've been kind of up and down lately, but the Jags are terrible. So facing the Jags in Jacksonville on Sunday, I'm sure the Titans can just win it straight up. The Titans are in a playoff race. And meanwhile, the Jaguars are trying to outtank the Jets. So I definitely like the Titans to win this game. Then we go to the over 39 and a half in the Steelers-Bills game. There's a little bit of a chance for rain in Buffalo. I don't think that even matters. The Bills offense is electric and they've been on a tear recently. The Steelers are kind of banged up on defense. They've also just not been playing very well, as we've mentioned. They're kind of looking fraudulent. So I definitely see this game getting over 39 and a half. I could even see it getting over the original total. But to be safe, I'll tease it down seven points. Again, seven-point tease. Green Bay down to half a point, Titans down to half a point, and then the over 39 and a half, Steelers at Bills. Lock it up. Two teasers for me this week. He's back on board, boys, with two teasers. This one's at plus 120 odds. It actually plays out perfectly to move into our NFL slate of games that we're looking at because I touch on a lot of these same games. Like we've already mentioned, there's a couple games that we all like. I'm staying on the teaser train. I have a six-point teaser. I'm taking Saints laying one point and the Packers laying one and a half, minus 120 odds. Aaron Rodgers is 45 and 26 against the spreads versus division opponents, so he easily could cover, like you said, versus the Lions. Lions don't look very good. Uh, Packers should easily win this game. Same goes for the Saints. 
Saints. I don't see the Eagles looking too competitive. Jalen Hurts in his first start behind that offensive line should face a lot of pressure. Saints probably produce a couple turnovers. Definitely see them winning by one point. That's a six-point teaser that I'm liking. I already have a little bit of money on that. Thursday night football, I do like the under in that game. 44 and a half with the Rams versus the Patriots. Uh, Patriots defense has stepped up as of late, and they shut the Chargers out last weekend. Patriots are also a bottom 10 team in terms of pace. They seem to run the ball a lot, and they will kill the clock. I have another 7-point teaser, this one with the Titans. Essentially a money line pick, and the Dolphins at plus 14.5 versus the Chiefs. This one's only at minus 150 odds, but it feels pretty safe. Uh, the Dolphins are at home this weekend, and so far this season, the Chiefs have allowed teams like the Broncos to stay in it late. Don't necessarily see the Dolphins losing this game by more than two touchdowns. And then the Jaguars are in tank mode officially. They just have nothing to play for at this rate. Honestly, kind of a shame that they got a win in week one versus the Colts. That might ultimately be the difference between them and the Jets in terms of winning the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. And it's definitely a must win for the Titans after losing this past weekend. That's all the games I like. Keith is kind of fading the slate right now. We might add some games for him on Twitter later on in the week. Let's go ahead and move back into our new segment, Underdogs of the Week. Zach, we know that you've got one. Which one are you going to share with us? Yeah, Jack, I do. I lean towards Minnesota, and I'm talking about the Vikings at Tampa Bay. Minnesota is a plus 245 money line in this. I like that a lot. Obviously, picking dogs is no guarantee, so bet at your own risk. But the Bucks secondary has been getting torched lately, and you know who's really going to get an open. Rookie of the year, hopeful Justin Jefferson, and then Adam White Cloth Thielen. Those boys are cooking. Kirk Cousins has been playing really well the last few weeks. Not a lot of people are talking about that, but the Vikings defense can hold up even a little bit. I like the Vikings' chances to, to maybe sneak one out, and this is a big game for the wild card race. Both of these teams are chasing the wild card in the NFC. It's, I could definitely see Minnesota taking that one. Louisiana fans would absolutely love that. Would be good redemption for Joe Burrow getting injured earlier in the year. Get one of his teammates from college, Justin Jefferson, into that rookie of the year conversation. He's been looking pretty good lately. Justin Herbert's still a huge favorite, but considering that team is out of playoff contention, I actually do have an underdog that I like as well, Zach. I am looking at a game I just mentioned, Thursday Night Football. I actually like the New England money line at plus 200 versus the Rams. Like you said, I don't know how much money I'm going to bet on this game, but I'm definitely leaning towards New England. Uh, if I had to pick an underdog to bet straight up this week, this would be the first choice of mine. I think I already mentioned Patriots look pretty good lately. They've won four of their last five games, and the Patriots are currently 6-6 six and six with an outside shot at the playoffs if they went out. Keith said earlier, NFC West, absolute garbage. The Rams are the best of the worst out of the NFC West, currently in first place at 8-4. and four. But considering half of their wins came against the NFC East at the beginning of the season, I don't necessarily think that Los Angeles is good as their record indicates. New England, keep an eye on it. Don't say I told you so, but that's going to be my underdog for this week. Is there any other games that we're kind of keeping our eye on, want to look at and kind of watch, even if we're not kind of leaning towards any bets, guys? The Denver Broncos plus three and a half at the Carolina Panthers is an interesting proposition. The Broncos, to their credit, kept it close late against the Chiefs this past weekend. I think they could keep it competitive with a vastly inferior Panthers team. So it really wouldn't surprise me if the, the Broncos were able to cover three and a half and just go ahead and win outright in Carolina this weekend. The Broncos in Carolina are plus 150 money line. So those odds don't quite match up with the underdogs of the week, but if you're looking for another underdog play, that's a pretty decent one. There's a dog. More dogs, more dogs. Oh, we like all the dogs. I like it. I like it. We'll keep an eye on it for sure. I don't like the Broncos, but I don't like the Panthers either, so it works out. I'll tell you what I would like to see is on Sunday night, the Bills play the Steelers. 
hopefully the Steelers can pull off a move from the Bears and they can lose a couple games in a row, fall off after winning a whole bunch. Would be pretty cool to see. Just taking shots at my Bears. Yeah, speaking of which, you can probably bet the Texans this weekend until Matt Nagy gets fired. I don't think the Bears are going to be putting out a whole lot of effort. I mean, Trubisky's looks half decent and competent since he retook over the QB job, but it doesn't really matter. I do kind of like Washington football team against the 49ers this weekend. Washington's defense looks pretty nasty, and, and Nick Mullins isn't going to know what to do. He's going to have some trouble. I don't know if Antonio Gibson's out for Washington. That could be a big loss, but they just beat the Steelers without him for most of the game. So I kind of like Washington there as underdogs. What do you know, Zach? Likes more underdogs. Never would have guessed in a million years. Shocker. Shocker. <laughs> Guys, I think that's pretty much going to do it for us for the NFL this week. Let's go ahead and wrap this episode up. Real quick, if you want to catch us on social media, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ZNJSP Podcast. We post all of our locks there every week, as well as a couple other tweets about random stuff related to sports. We are also under the same handle on the Action Sports app, where we post all of our locks as well. Our podcast is now available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and all other major platforms. Speaking of Twitter... So our podcast is still relatively new. We're not huge or anything, but we already have a couple of trolls. Keith, you're locked last week, which we forgot to mention. And I can't remember the name of the guy, but someone wanted to say great analysis. How much analysis can you put in a tweet? All we do for our tweets is put the locks. Like, where are these people coming up with this stuff? Yeah, man, to the haters and losers trolling us on Twitter, if you really want to be critical of our locks, feel free to endlessly mock us on your own podcast. Oh, you don't have one? All right, well, then too damn bad. Look at our tweets, see our locks, and just keep it moving. There was a reason why I picked four heavy favorites and parlayed them into somewhat respectable odds as opposed to picking them straight up. So I'm not sure why that was so poorly received by a couple of Twitter trolls, but we're not out here just making foo-foo bets just to have content on our podcast. And also, it's one thing to bad talk our picks. Of course, Wyoming, Moneyline losing, somebody wanted to chime in. If you're going to critique our plays, do it before the kickoff. It's really easy to talk shit after we've lost a game. Super, super difficult. Come share some locks. Call in. We can talk shit when they lose. And if they don't, we'll honor your critique. Otherwise, kick rocks. Yeah, is anybody else out there who is critiquing us or wants to talk some shit or throw some shade on some of our picks, go ahead and, and tweet at us or call in with some picks, with some analysis of your own. We'll get it on the show or we'll work it in some way or another. We'll see how bright you guys are. Having said all of that, I actually did want to bring up, possibly next week we might have a guest interview on the podcast. Still in the works. We will get further into that on Twitter if that doesn't end up happening so all the trolls can chime in. If we have a collab lock or something like that, we'll have to see your insight after the game because if it wins, I'm sure you won't say anything. But if it loses, got to have some people in there. So we feed off the trolls. We need the energy. Yeah, man, run up in our mentions. That just means that we're getting clicks and likes and so forth. We gotta make sure you keep listening to the podcast. Don't care what you say. Yeah, Wyoming lost. I'm sorry. WTF. All right, well, that's gonna do it for us. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Episode 13, December 9th, 2020. Really appreciate you listening. Hope to have a great weekend. Hashtag let's get it. Let's make this money, boys. Thanks again for joining me tonight to record this podcast. I'm Zach. I'm Jack. I'm Keith. And that's gonna do it for us, guys. May all of your bets prosper. Peace. Deuces. Thank you. Thank, thanks, Daddy. Still recording, so I'm totally putting that in there. It's fine. I didn't put it in there. <laughs>